What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Oasis Podcast. Oasis is the college and young adult ministry at Park West Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. Come hang out with us if you're ever in the area on a Thursday night. We'd love to meet you face to face. If you don't already, make sure you follow us on social media at Oasis PWC to stay updated with everything going on here with the Oasis family. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message. Let's jump in. All right, I'm so hyped up about the word. I'm going to jump in. If you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and go to the book of Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Truly, I'm so thankful that you are here. This is a place where you can encounter the love of God with people that love God and love each other. And if you've been here for a little while, you're probably tired of hearing me say it, and I don't apologize. My prayer for you tonight is that you would encounter God and that you would gain five friends in the process. Amen? Amen. No, like you mean it. Amen? Amen. Acts Chapter 19, I'm going to read starting in verse 13. It's going to be on the screen. Are you ready to go? All right, here we go. Starting in verse 13, it says, Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. Now, I'm going to get into this a whole lot more, but basically all you need to know is some people were casting out demons in the name of Jesus. All right, that's what's happening. They would say, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. The seven sons of Sceva, we're going to roll with that, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. It says, one day the evil spirit that they were trying to cast out, one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? Tonight I want to preach a message titled, Who are you? Turn to your neighbor and say, who are you? Turn to your other neighbor and say, who are you? (laughs) I always love to do that and watch the people that are sitting on the end of the row that are like, like double down, like you're coming back. All right, let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you've already done tonight. And uh, thank you for what you have in store for the rest of the night. Lord, I ask that you will speak through me. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will be so present in this room. You will transform our lives. So when we leave here, we would look more like you, Lord, and have five extra friends in the process. And everybody said, amen. I have a confession for you tonight, and it's not a super popular opinion, but I happen to really like movie sequels. Sequels to movies. And I know that sometimes that's like a really dangerous thing. Because sometimes you're like, no, they did not have to make a stitch too. Like it was great with the first stitch. We made the second one and it all went downhill, right? I totally understand that. But hear me out. I love movie sequels because I really hate the like, and then they lived happily ever after. Okay, I struggle with that. Because like you watch Snow White and she had to have been like 18 when she got married and like happily ever after. Okay, that was a lot of years after that. So like what happened in that happily ever after? Did the dwarfs find love? Did they find happiness? Like, I I have unanswered questions. You move from that, okay, let's talk, I'm sorry, spoiler alert, I'm just sorry, not sorry. Inception, if you've seen the movie and it ends and the little thing is spinning, I'm like, is he awake? Is he dreaming? Is he awake? Is he dreaming? I have unanswered questions. We've been waiting like a decade for this second Avatar movie to come out. And it's coming, ladies and gentlemen. I no sponsors there, I don't, it, but it's coming. And I'm so excited to see it because I love to hear the story after the story. 
There are so many times that you watch a movie or you read a book or you whatever, and it's like, okay, well, great. I'm excited that that's where we are. But what did the rest of life look like? Like what happened after that? I love the book of Acts because that's what it is. It's not just like a letdown sequel. Hear me out. Jesus lives a sinless life, does all the things that he does in the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have all of these writings of the incredible things that Jesus did while he was here and all the things that the disciples experienced and all of these things that happened. And then it ends on this high note of like, well, then Jesus says, go tell all the world about me and he ascends into heaven End scene, right? Like that's where everything ends. But then the book of Acts really shows you where things are going. So for my note takers in the room, maybe you didn't know this, the guy that wrote the gospel of Luke, Luke is also who wrote the book of Acts. A lot of scholars will tell you it's actually one letter. Like it was one long thing that, that kind of got broken up as time went on, but it's a continuation. He's writing to this guy to tell him, look, this is all the crazy things that Jesus did, but then here's what happened right after Jesus left and all the miracles that took place. If you grew up in a Pentecostal church, you've heard a lot about Acts chapter two incredible stuff goes down in Acts chapter two. When Jesus does ascend into heaven, right there at the end of the gospels, he tells them, go to Jerusalem and go wait and pray and something's about to go down. And then they get there and they wait and pray and something goes down. There's 120 of them in the upper room in Acts chapter two. And that's where like the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens. It's this fundamental moment where the game changes and you got to go read it. If you've not read it, it's crazy. The, Lord, uh, the Bible says that the, the wind came through the house and tongues of fire landed on people and people start talking in other languages. And I know we've got multiple denominations in here on a Thursday, and I love that. I'm gonna talk about the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost falls on this house, craziness goes down. Peter goes out and full of the Holy Spirit preaches this sermon and 3,000 people get saved. And that's like in the first two chapters of the sequel, right? Like part one of movie two, all of this goes down and a bunch of people get saved. And what happens is it causes this like family thing to happen. The couple chapters after that start talking about how these people were like selling their belongings and giving money to each other to make sure that everybody had what they needed. And that like, now we're like, uh-uh, you ain't getting nothing. Mm -mm. Like, <laughs> You, I dare you tomorrow. This is such a side note, rabbit trail. I dare you tomorrow when you go through and buy your coffee, buy the coffee for the person behind you. I don't know if you've ever done that, but you, you, you leave feeling like you are the, the gift to the world. You're like, see you, Lord, blessed to be a blessing. Like you feel like you've really made an impact and really you just paid like $3 or you got unlucky and somebody's like, I want a venti macchiato with oat milk and seven shots of whatever. And you're like $13 and you just nah, really didn't go great. The devil is a liar. Yeah. But I dare you to invest. You see the church, the early church, what happened is this crazy encounter with the Holy Spirit caused them to care about each other. Was that they get the crazy encounter with the Holy Spirit cause them to care about each other. Not just for 3,000 people to get saved, that's huge. Evangelism is an important part of what we believe. But they started looking at the needs that they had in the house, the friends and family members that were lacking, that were struggling, and they started selling their possessions. Now, here comes character number one that I really wanna talk about tonight. The guy's name is Ananias. Turn to your neighbor and say, Ananias. I dare one of y'all to name your son that one day. Ananias. Well, that was easy. I didn't have, to, didn't have to work hard for that one at all. Ananias. 
You see, in chapter five, we're gonna read a couple verses. All of this has just happened. The Holy Spirit shows up, craziness goes down, 3,000 people get saved, and then they start selling their possessions. Now, starting in verse one of chapter five of the book of Acts. It says, now a man named Ananias, turn to your neighbor and say, Ananias. Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. Okay, we're including them and the people that sell their stuff. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, what this doesn't really clarify is what he's actually done is he comes to the apostles to bring his gift for the church and he tells them that that's all that he had. So he comes in, he's like, look how he is. He's like God's gift to the world. Like I said, buying somebody's copy. Like he feels like game changer is making a difference in the world. He rolls up to the apostles and he says, look how much money we got when we sold our house. Give it to the people. Bless the people. And they have the spiritual moment. But listen to what Peter says. says, Then Peter says, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? And have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the Lord. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? He's like, bro, literally, I I read that and kind of had the same thought. Like, dummy, it was your money anyway. Like, why'd you come tell this? Here's 20% of what I sold for my house. But he comes and he says, wasn't it your money anyway? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not just lied to human beings, but to God. And again, the reason that he's done that is because it's a spiritual offering. What he's doing is he's he's given the subtle flex of how holy he is, how spiritual he is, how anointed he is, how he's a, a team player. He's in it to win it. We're all about the early church. We want to see everybody blessed. Look how holy I am. But he's lying about the whole thing. And listen to what happens. When Ananias hears Peter's response, he says, when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Tough stuff. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. They said, boop, there it went, like, like nothing happened. About three hours later, his wife came in. Not knowing what had happened, Peter asked her, tell me, Is this the price that Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said. Oh, Lord help her. That is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the man or the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. And at that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. That escalated quickly. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear, uh, yeah, I bet. Great fear sees the whole church and all who heard about these events. Now again, point number one that I really want you to catch. These people aren't just like dealing with church drama. They were fake with God. They were fake with God. They wanted this perception that they had it together that they were a contributor, that they were a team player, they were fake with God. 
I heard Kevin, uh, Pastor Kevin Wallace say something a couple years ago. He was having like a table conversation, actually with Pastor Jeremy and a couple people were sitting there. This wasn't like on a sermon, you're not gonna find it somewhere, sorry. But Kevin Wallace was having this conversation. He was talking about the anointing and how the Bible says that the anointing of God um, is without repentance. It means when God puts the gift of anointing in your life, the anointing is in your life. And what is dumbfounding about that is that means the anointing will still faithfully serve the people even if you're totally out of whack. That's how you watch pastors that build a church of thousands and thousands of people and all this kingdom work is getting saved or stuff is happening and then they're like, oh, they had an affair and everything fell apart. Well, the anointing was from God. They just didn't have the character to match it. And Kevin Wallace made a statement to our pastor. He said, I can't judge my personal relationship with God with how great I'm preaching or how great the services are going because I can fake it with them and God still move. But I can't fake it with him. And now I did not come tonight to tell you, well, you better do what the Lord tells you or else might you dead. I, I don't speak for the Lord on those things. But Ananias and Sapphira found out the hard way, the cost of faking through this stuff with the God that knows everything anyway. Point number one, they tried to fake this with God. And number two, they were being so selfish. So selfish. They had this crazy experience and this church stuff is happening, right? Now, it doesn't say that they were there in the upper room or where the Holy Spirit initially, I'm not, I'm not trying to say all that, but we're a couple chapters into this sequel where life is happening all over the place and people are getting healed and transformed and the Holy Spirit has shown up. And out of that, the community of people that have just found their salvation in Christ are going like, y'all, I'll sell everything. I'll sell everything because I have a love for you that God put in my heart to love you and the selfishness that had to come up in them. That scares me if I'm just being transparent, that you could have that kind of encounter with Jesus. And God, those of y'all that have been in church for a while, you know, like you've been in a situation or a circumstance where you met somebody that you know they know Jesus. And then you watch the way they gossip about somebody in the church and you're like, one plus one equals, that doesn't make sense. You're like, it's, something's not adding up. There should be an experience that causes you to change. They had an experience. They had a moment, but they were so selfish where they were. Ananias was so selfish. But there's a second Ananias. If you fast forward a little bit here, I'm going to jump all the way to Acts chapter 9. Four chapters later. Acts chapter nine, if you read the New Testament, a lot of the New Testament is written by the Apostle Paul. Now, before the Apostle Paul becomes the Apostle Paul, he is Saul, who was a religious leader at the time that really did not like Christians. So much so that the Bible says that he watched while Philip, one of the main guys, was stoned to death and approved of the whole thing. The Bible says that Saul was on the road to Damascus. If you ever heard the old church people say there was a Damascus road experience, this is what they're talking about. He was on this road towards Damascus and Jesus himself appeared to him and says, why are you persecuting my people? And he has this whole conversation with Jesus and Jesus blinds him 
and sends him on into Damascus. Now, here's what's so cool. In Damascus, there's a man named Ananias. Who's obviously not the same Ananias. That Ananias is dead. This is, this is a different Ananias. And the Lord appears to Ananias and says, I'm about to send Saul your way. And when he gets there, lay hands on him, pray for him, because he's going to preach the gospel all over the place. And as you can imagine, Ananias says, well, hold up, wait a minute. This guy doesn't like Christians. <laughs> this may not be a good experience. And the Lord says, no, no, no. Do what I tell you to do. Love on this. I'm going to pick up in verse 17. It says, then Ananias went to the house and entered it and placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road where you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. The first Ananias is so selfish that he wouldn't even share what he had. But the second Ananias risked his own life that this crazy dude could get saved. The name Ananias literally translates to a God has been gracious. And the first Ananias just straight missed it. But this guy, walking in his identity, walking in who God has called him to be, goes right to the front line. One guy said, I'm going to keep a little to myself. This guy said, I will literally give all that I have if it'll get somebody saved. And you know what I love about your generation right now? Is y'all get that. I've never seen evangelism like it's happening right now. Can I just tell on you for a minute? I'm so sorry. When I grew up in youth groups and we were doing youth worship ministry, the youth worship team that I got to be a part of, even when I graduated and got to kind of lead, which I didn't have to do a whole lot of leading because the students that were in there were stupid and a couple of them are in the room right now and the talent was bananas. But our worship team, like the youth group services was right when Kim Walker Smith and Jesus culture and stuff was really getting popular. And we would come in and the team would worship and everybody cried. And the Holy Ghost moved. And services would go like an hour late and parents were frustrated in the foyer like, I gotta go, we've got school in the morning and they're all drunk and the Holy Ghost and the floor. And that was just like totally normal for a Wednesday night. That's not y'all. I had to learn with you guys because that's what I was used to. I was used to, we come into church services and we come into worship and it's, oh! And there's like this emotion and we're so in it and I love you, we're gonna work on that but you're not super emotionally engaged during worship right now. But you know what you are? evangelistic. I told a college pastor buddy a couple weeks ago, I said, it is crazy. I'll do an invite night and tell everybody that I'm going to give away a $50 gift card and 20 first time guests show up. I don't know if everybody just really needs a $50 gift card. No, the secret is you guys care about the lost people around you. You get it. You get it enough to say it may be uncomfortable. This conversation may not go super great. And you may have some people be like, bro, I am not coming to you to whatever crazy Pentecostal church you go to. Like you may have some of those conversations, but you care enough. You've experienced the grace of God 
to portray the grace of God to someone in a place that needs it. The first Ananias was super selfish. The second Ananias was incredibly selfless. But there's a third Ananias in the book of Acts. Wow. 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 Just pause. Take it in for a minute. There's a third Ananias who is the worst of the three. One was selfish, one is selfless, and the third guy is religious. After Saul has had this experience and the stuff comes off his eyes, he spends some time with the disciples and he goes straight to the ministry and he's preaching and teaching and people are getting saved and the Holy Spirit is moving and it's the same thing just continued and all this life change is happening. And he's made so much noise that all the religious leaders are frustrated at him. And one of the the Roman commanders has arrested the dude because of how much drama is going down, but he has no idea what to do with him. In fact, the Bible says in Acts 22, uh, verse 30, it says the commander wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews. So the next day he released him and ordered the chief priests and all the members of the Sanhedrin to assemble. And the Sanhedrin would have been like the religious leaders back then. And then he brought Paul and had him stand before them. I love it. The commander says, I don't know what to do with this dude. Let's bring him before all the churchy people. And the churchy people weren't great churchy people. At this time, this is when Jesus has shown up and really messed up what they thought was going to happen. Because of that, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, they're freaking out. So they bring this guy before them that's causing all of this noise. And look at what it says. Chapter 23, verse 1, it says, Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. And at this, the high priest Ananias, turn to your neighbor and say Ananias. At this, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. And here's what I really love about that. That's just the ADD pastor part of me that I can't handle. He does, the Bible doesn't say he ordered the one standing next to Paul. He says those standing next to Paul. And I really think that they must have put like 12 of them like in a line. And it was just like, psh, 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 psh. like everybody got a hand in there to slap Paul across the mouth. And Paul says, Paul, it says, Paul said to them, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there to judge me. And again, after he took like 27 slaps to the face, he's like, God will slap you, you whitewashed wall. Says, you sit there and judge me according to the law, yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck in the first place. This Ananias, oh, it terrifies me. He wasn't just selfish with what he had. He was opposing the move of God. Somebody whose name means God has been gracious is literally opposing what the Holy Spirit is doing. The freedom, the life-giving, the life change that is taking place, he's completely coming against it, and that terrifies me because that means that it is completely possible for us to be moving against what God is trying to do. And there are times when, listen, that, that like spirit of religion stuff, it's become so catchy Churches everywhere are talking about, like, I hate religion. Well, I hate religion too. Like, the, I think we've lost some of the meaning and some of the things that go a lot. But what that means at its core is there's this thing that rises up inside of us that says, I have to earn salvation. I have to 
dress a certain way, act a certain way to be who God's called me to be. In order to fit in here, I have to do certain things. If I'm going to receive the grace of Jesus, well, then I better make sure that I do this, 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 and this. And it's such a tricky balance because we've all seen it. Like what happened with Ananias and Sapphira. You have an experience, but you live a different way. And that's not right. But then you can't live in this place of this religious gunk where you're trying to earn grace or where you're competing with other Christians for other things. The comparison game, the drama, oh, I hate all this stuff. Because it, what ends up happening is what happened here where the, the, the church is like overseeing everything and looking down on everybody and that is not what the church is supposed to be. But this religious stuff stirs up and causes all this stinking drama. The first Ananias was selfish. The second, praise God, was selfless. The third was religious. And tonight I want to ask, who are you? Where do you sit on this one right now. This first guy approached the church, had this experience, the first Ananias. He was involved, but he had zero skin in the game. He was coming to the church services. He was there. He was a Christian. But he was faking his way through everything and was being super selfish in what he offered to those around him. Jesus tells a parable in the gospel of Matthew where this master shows up and he gives these three different guys different talents. He says, I'll give this guy five talents, this guy two talents, this guy one talent. And it's crazy to watch what happens. The dude with five talents invests it, multiplies it, he stewards it well, and when the guy comes back, he has 10 now. The dude with two talents does the same thing. He's turned his from two into four, and the guy that only had one buries his in the dirt so that when the master gets back, he could make sure that he didn't lose it. And when the master comes back, he fusses at him. He's like, bro, I gave you this to do something with it. And he just sat on it. And he's so frustrated that he takes it from him and he gives it to the guy that has 10. And the Bible says, he that has a lot is gonna have more given to him. But what it's saying here is, you can't be stuck in this in-between and have a gift and not use it. We need you. New Testament talks about this is one body with many members and we need each other. I think the current US average for church, church attendance is 1.2 times a month. So the average Christian in the States goes to church 1.2 times a month. The problem with that is if that's how often you're here, when you come, you're, you're, you just drug your way in the building and you came because you're like, God, I need you. Like that one time that you came out of the month, you came because you were dying. You came because you needed help. And that's what, don't, don't mishear me. The church should be that. This should be a place where you can come and find healing. But we need you on the team. The first Ananias was selfish with where he was. The second guy was willing to risk his life he walked in his identity. This God is gracious. The third guy was directly opposing the move of God, this religious spirit. 
in our group, in our generation, you watch it. You got the people that are here because they just want to get theirs. And then you've got the church people that are like awkward. I legitimately, not too long ago, had an experience at a church where somebody came up to me and pointed at the Nike on my shoes. Just a little check. It was like, you know what that means, right? And I was like, no, I don't, but I can tell this is gonna be a bad conversation, sir. And he said, it means evil and racism and hate. And I was like, well, shoot. And I stumbled. I've had some experiences. I've had some conversations. He stumped me on that one. I said, sir, I'm, I'm so sorry if I offended you. And he said, Lah. and he walked off. There are a group of people, hear me. There's a group of people that are more concerned with the shoes I was wearing when I came to church than how my heart was doing when I came to church. And you've got a group of people, like I said, they're, they're here to get theirs and it's how can I get fed and how can I feel better? Well, then you got the other group of people that they're just looking around to see who belongs here and who doesn't belong here. But there's a third. There's a third that has been changed by the love of God enough to love people enough to give whatever their talent is to serve the people to sell the house and give all the money to sell out for their faith and tonight I want to ask who are you where are you at and that's not a shameful question that's an honest question right where you are in this season of life and it may be for some of us that we like accidentally slid into one of the other categories because of how hard it's been lately that's okay. But if we're going to see life change in young adults in our city, we got to get on the same page. We got to get hungry for the lost. We've got to allow God to heal things in here enough to where we see people like he sees people. Heads bowed and eyes closed across the room. God, I thank you for the grace that you have shown us. I thank you for the love that you have shown us. And I ask God that you will help us to recenter tonight. I just feel the Holy Spirit. I've got more sermon notes, but we don't need it. God, I ask that you, your word says that you search out and know the heart. So seek my heart, seek our hearts. That tonight would be a night of change with nobody looking around. If you're here and you, and you say you're in one of those other categories, like I, I've been comparing myself. I've been way too worried about other things that are going on. I've not paid hardly any attention to how I can serve or how I can be involved. I've been selfish with what I have, or I've been hurt by the church. I've been hurt by all the other mess. So I'm not trying to love. I'm not trying to get, if you're in one of those categories with nobody looking around, you throw a hand up for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What caused the disciples to sell their stuff wasn't a pastor preaching a big message about how they should sell their stuff. It was the encounter they had with the Lord. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you will heal hearts right now. For the one that has so much hurt, 
that maybe they gave 95%, 99%, but they're still holding on to this one thing. Like this, this one part of their heart, they've not fully committed, they've not fully sold out yet. God, pursue them radically tonight that they would taste and see that the Lord is good. Bring so much joy, so much peace. It's your loving kindness that draws us to repentance. So have your way. Lord God, I ask for those of us um, that have been doing this a while, that have known you a while, God, I ask that you will help us to love you and to love others and stir in us a new desire to see people saved. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I know technically I would dismiss, but I'm going to finish the rest of this story. I opened tonight with, a, with this passage of Scripture in Acts 19, right, where these people have gone around and, and they're casting out demons in the name of Jesus. And I'll read it again to you. It says, uh, they would say, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. The seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And one day, the evil spirit answered them. This would scare the bananas out of me. The evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? There were these people that had heard about what Jesus did and were okay to talk about what Jesus could do, but they didn't have a relationship with him. And that's everywhere right now. Because the, the idea of a God that loves you so much that he'll get you out of hell sounds really good. And universally, people are all about that. But when you say, no, 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 no. The Bible says that Jesus is the only way to heaven. That starts getting complicated. Because we want to talk about the Jesus that saves. We don't always talk about the Jesus that demands lordship, the King Jesus that says, no, 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 here's, here's how you live life. And everybody, again, that spirit of religion, and everybody's like, well, you don't tell me how to live. And I'm like, I'm not trying to get into all of that. But when you give your life to Jesus, you really give your life to Jesus. And I'm telling you the scariest scripture in the Bible, Matthew chapter seven, Jesus says that at the end of time, when, when we stand before God, it says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons and in your name, perform many miracles. And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. I'm telling you, it's the scary, for a pastor, it is the scariest scripture in the Bible because I don't want anybody to come in and out of here and have had an experience and not had an encounter. And I hope that I preach like a goofball and we all laugh because it feels good to laugh. But I really hope that through worship, through sermon, through a high five, through whatever, that something clicks that you pray in the car on the way home. And you didn't just talk about Jesus, hear about Jesus, but you talked to Jesus. These men, they go to this evil spirit and they say, in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches. And he says, well, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? And then in verse 16 it says the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them overpowered them all he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding 
the stuff that you are facing right now, you cannot handle it with fake Christianity. You cannot be who God has called you to be without Him. You don't, don't, don't mishear me. Livy saying it a minute ago, there is no weapon that can prosper when you're like this with Jesus. But if you're not like this with Jesus, if you're talking about him, but you don't know him, this gets complicated. And you know what blesses my life about the rest of this story? As it says that the people that heard all of this, that watched all of this, the followers of Jesus were so scared that they all got together and started confessing their sins to each other. They were like, oh no, that ain't gonna happen. You're gonna know all my mess. Because if I'm gonna be a Christian, I'm gonna really be a Christian. Because I don't wanna face what the world has and only be half in this. I don't wanna end up like those guys. I wanna walk with the Jesus that saved my life. So the Bible says that they confessed all their sins. It goes as far as to say that those who had been practicing witchcraft bring all their stuff and they burn it together. Because I know we're gonna sell out. And the Bible says that the gospel spread wildly and in power. And I wanna encourage you tonight. I wanna commend you tonight to press into your faith. I know that uh, we do the bougie Christian thing and every, half the people in here are wearing Jordans. That's okay, I'm all for it, bro. But don't, let's not get caught up in just church. I wanna be so in love with Jesus that I make a difference. I want us to be so in love with Jesus that we make a difference, amen? God bless these people and their families that in everything they do this week and they're coming and going, bless them in abundantly, that physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and financially, they'd be blessed simply because they're your kids. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we pray all these things in your precious name, Jesus. And everybody said, amen.